to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze all the films within the DC Cinematic Universe, DCU, whatever they're calling it nowadays. Um, but today, for this very special live episode, we're going to be talking about the DC animated films or TV shows. Um, because as controversial as some of the live action films may be, um, for the most part, I think uh, everyone pretty much loves a DC animation, right? Like, yeah. 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 So for the for this Denver show, we wanted to uh, pick out what we believed were the best individual minutes of DC animation. And uh, hi, my name is Mark. Uh, and uh, my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at No Touch Nathan. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'll be the retailer from uh, retailer.com or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no big deal, no big deal. So for the first minute we're going to be talking about is a, a minute that uh, I'm sure most of us all know and love. And so I figured it was the best one to start off with uh, because that's what they start their show with. So why don't we go ahead and play uh, minute number one of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. yeah. Just 
makes it definitive bad news. I just want to get your guys' opinions about uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, other than Super Friends, maybe I'm forgetting the, 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 the standalone Batman cartoon, uh, but I feel like most people in their heads, Batman before this, well, obviously there's the, the Tim Burton movie kind of, you know, just a few years before this, but uh, as far as mass audience Batman stuff goes, I feel like it was like the 60s Batman TV show, and then kind of cut straight to the Batman movie. And Batman in the comics changed a lot in between those two, and so then to kind of have that first the movie, uh, you know, the, the first Tim Burton movie, was, was this after Batman Returns? It was, right? Yeah. 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 So then, then to kind of translate that into a, a you know mass kind of uh, TV watching audience mm-hmm. and and you know accessible to kids but not just for kids, which is another important kind of yes. thing that you get from that. So it's got Batman doing Batman stuff, but it's not. It's also kind of letting you know that it's not just a movie kids show. Yeah. That. So it's kind of establishing this new paradigm for Batman without being too. It's not, not just sort of gritty, you know, it's still accessible to kids, but it's also kind of establishing, hey, we're taking that in a little more seriously. You can tell cool stories. You know, yeah. So, I'm curious. You, I see, I can't relate to that. Because um, I was a kid when I was watching. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, what was it when you were in your older ages? I'm sorry. This is a peak. Uh, um, so you were, you watched this when it was on air? Uh, yeah. Yeah? And yeah, that when was, this was my senior year of high school or my freshman year of college. Okay. Maybe. What year was this? Uh, 1992. 92. Yeah, so what was your opinion watching it? Was it like finally there's a Batman that, I mean, I don't know if I can relate to it, or was it just um, something other than just 1960 Batman? Like, yeah, which I loved in its own way, and then, you know, watched a lot growing up, but this... Uh, you know, I was a comics fan, and I was I was never as familiar with the DC stuff. Sorry, yeah, but uh, uh, definitely open to it. And you know, I liked the you know grew up watching Super Friends and that kind of thing. And then to have this as my uh, my viewing eye was becoming more kind of attuned. So I was looking for stuff that had more style to it, more substance to it. Then for this to hit at the same time, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Did it feel more adult, or were you still in the back of your mind like, okay, this is still a Saturday morning cartoon? Like, when no, it definitely felt like, more. Yeah. At least, you know, for me being a teenager into comics, watching who never fully gave up watching cartoons or reading comics or anything like that, it was totally like, oh, this is for me, mm-hmm. and it's made by people who are probably 10, 20 years older than me, but are still in that same zone. Like, so they're not they're not talking down to anyone. They're, it looks like they're making. The Batman show that they would want to watch. Yeah. Seems like what it was. Yeah. And for a lot of people, like, this probably was the first thing that they saw, you know, like, growing up. Like, this is their first, uh, like, experience with Batman. Like, that might be something. So they see that intro and, like, they, they knew right then and there, like, right, this intro is going to be played for every episode. And it's got the theme that we all know, like, stuck in our heads when we think of Batman. Like, that's the theme that they think of, um, although now, I guess, some kids are. Watching the Dark Knight first, and so I guess. But yeah, the the this intro itself is it, yeah, it is very definitive. It um, has stylized and like red skies and all that. Like it's they somehow they hit it where adults can love it, kids can love it. Like just, just a solid hit. 
And I, I, I have a story about that, that exact intro. Uh, a friend of mine, former guest of Star Wars Minute, well, I won't name him, but he was my college roommate. Uh, he, this, this was totally a staple in you know, my freshman year of college, so it was, it was, you know, everybody, all my nerd friends were totally into it. Uh, except this one guy would be like, I don't like that Madman show, Ed. Why does every episode start the same? Why does the same thing happen at the beginning of every episode? It's like, you mean the, the opening credits? It's like, but there's no credits. It doesn't say who's in it. It's just what it's like, but it's the opening sequence. It's just letting you know it's Batman. He's like, no, but why does it, why does he catch the same guys every episode? <laughs> <laughs> this show probably isn't for you. I don't know. I've never The one point that I have about this, um, and it, just, just the one, it'll, uh, really just the one I'm doing. Um, it kind of follows through the entirety of the series, uh, and it goes along with uh, the image of Batman that you see in this, because um, you don't see his costume until the very end, which is cool. Um, the gray and the blue, or the, the yellow in the center, that's one that you know everybody pays attention to. They, they know it as, as Batman, yada yada. But the fact that, Mark and I talk about this a lot, and it's one of our favorite things about Batman, he's got the white eyes. The thing about Batman is you have to have the whited out eyes. I mean, like, it's great, cool actors, I understand, they need to get, you know, FaceTime, not billing for a reason. Exactly, but the thing that carried on with Batman, and I know it happened, you know, obviously, comics before, but it wasn't until you put it into animation that you realized that Batman himself is completely separate than Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne can see his eyes, he can see his facial expressions, he can see everything. He's playing the character of Bruce Wayne. When it comes to Batman, especially in this intro, Batman, you know? I mean, he's got, it's almost like, um, not uh, anonymous, but it's, it's, uh, it's that, I, I always thought of it as like, when, when Batman's like on the prowl, he's like, uh, the predator, or like, the mob man or something, you know? Like, people see him as like, they're not thinking like, dude in costume. They're seeing like, this vampire he's show up, right? And it's like, alright, you know what, you, you win, I'll stop, yeah, you can just arrest me now. Yeah, the best thing I want to show. The coolest thing that I think is about Batman is that he is open to interpretation. Um, and the theatrics, it's, uh, I mean, it's spluttered all over the Batman. The theatrics, it's, it's this dude dressing up in a bat costume, jumping off the rooftops. I mean, like, that guy just doesn't want attention? Come on, don't. And I mean, uh, and Joker's the same way. I mean, it's, it's the, the dichotomy between, you know, comedy and tragedy, yada yada. Um, but for him to have, and for the beginning opening sequence to have that image of Batman, it just really sticks in your mind. Even if you don't like what's happening now with Batman, even if you don't like Ben Affleck and the new stuff, if you don't like George Clooney, whatever, no matter what, you're always going to go back to that image of Paul Dini's Batman and realizing, hey, that's what it is. That's just set, set the tone for what the character is. And, it's the little subtleties, like the whiting out of the eyes. It's just one thing I always try to point out. Hey, check out those eyes. And a lot of, a lot of directors now, they're like thinking, like, we should do a movie like that. We should do a movie like that. We should do a movie like that. So, um, but speaking about dichotomy, uh, we're going to talk about Batman's uh, kind of other half, uh, best friend. Um, and uh, yeah, this next minute that we're going to watch is, uh, it's, not the, it's not the first minute to start it all. But it is a minute within within that time period that kind of helps uh, give us DC animation. Yeah. So we're gonna take a look at minute two, which is Max Fisher's 
characters, and, and purely animated characters look a little bit uh, not off, but they look like you know they're made by animators. They have a little extra motion, mm-hmm. whereas like like just like you can tell the difference between rotoscoping and you know, traditional animation. Just you know, uh, I think mocap characters now you get your candy circus, etc. Like they look a little more um, human because they're based on a human's motions. You know, mm-hmm. and there are fewer liberties taken with actions in a sense. Did they um, put the actor in a Superman costume and then start drawing? Hey, come on. I mean, I'm if, I, if someone's told me, and, hey, we need you to roast them for, or we need you to model for Superman, but I can you gotta put him in a suit, right? Yeah. Oh, I just bought this yeah. at Party City because I, you know, I, <laughs> I was trying to get in the character, the method acting, right? It's like Grant Morrison, uh, just sit on the train. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. just go out there and find him in It's not that guy. Hey, look at
an easy road to go down, and uh, I feel like this was definitely a, um, an eye-opener for that. Uh, clearly, you know, 1940s, uh, for a hero defeating a monster or whatever. But I assume, I'm assuming that this was before Superman was introduced to you know, all the radio show had all the powers and stuff like that that he did. So he's only really just punching, using strength, and, and that's it. There's no animation of other powers. Yeah. Is that like, do you, do you think, oh, do you think that was um, an animation like brick wall that they hit where they just mm -hmm. couldn't do it? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the whole reason that Superman flies comes from this because it was so hard to animate him leaping that yeah. like single bound so and they were stop, like, you know, my was like, can I just make him fly? It would be so much easier yeah. to animate. And they were like, all right. And so now, Superman flies. So there you go. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to see how they explain to the character evolution. Uh, so like, I, like, I think part of why Superman is only doing normal, you know, those kind of limited things, it's that's where the character was at, too. Some people, like, then would go on to build on top of that, and in the 60s, you go on that crazy kryptonite, and all that stuff, yeah. you know, like, as, as minds expand, <laughs> you know, all kinds of galactic powers, and he goes, you know, moving planets around and stuff like that. But, um, to see that within that paradigm, again, you use that word, but within Superman, where he was at at the time, it's interesting to see that. And I think that uh, I'm pretty sure that I've, I've read that the, the kind of inspiration when they were making the, the 70s Superman movies, that, uh, that they were kind of looking back at, but that was their kind of Superman of reference, was the Fletcher cartoons, because it was like the, um, the Superman of record. It was, and um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a little, I mean, I get it. It's Superman history, you always got to know your history, right? Um, but at the same time, Superman needs to grow as much as all the heroes and comics and characters as themselves. You can't just have someone stuck in the 1940s, um, which could be a good segue. Let's play the next clip. This is going to be from, um, this is actually my personal uh, clip that I picked. This is a, a one, one minute and eight seconds, so you know, bear with me. Yeah, right. So, um, this is very carefully. This is from Superman versus the Elite. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the movie. It's a great animated feature. It's based off of the, the Justice League of America. The Superman the Elite. Let's watch it. Face judgment for your crimes, or stop. That is not all in this conversation. Because you don't have the stones to do to us what we do to you in a heartbeat. You might have the stones to do me. alternatives, please keep it in your bags. You probably won't believe this, but I used to love superheroes. But masks are for hiding. Capes are for playing. You were the first. The best. But now you're a cliche and you don't fit in anymore. Mad scientists, idiots in underwear, bank robbers, knock yourself out with that lock. But the real work, fixing the world, is ours. Starting tomorrow with Bialia. I'm shutting you down. Night. Maybe this time they'll learn that crime doesn't pay. <laughs> I'm going to say this once. Well, um, so yeah, that was a clip from Superman 
versus the elite. Um, I picked that uh, for a few, many reasons. Um, one being, first off, when, when Mark approached me when we were you know, talking about this, this live show and we wanted to showcase some of the uh, DC animation events, um, which we talk about so often on our podcast, and we don't we feel like we never really have a chance to express our opinions about it. Anyway, um, with uh, Superman versus the Elite, it was one of those animated movies that I felt was better than the book. Um, the book was really interesting. It was great. It's a really good Justice League story. Uh, fantastic. Um, but the main point in the animated feature was to showcase this character, not that character, um, Manchester Black, who's the purple guy with the with the, the punk kid. Yeah, the uh, the SLC. He's that guy. He is one of my favorite characters of all of DC Universe um, in the most odd ways. Superman is my homeboy. I love him. Um, his, everything that his morals are, it's just, you know, the best out of humanity. Hope and whatnot. But Manchester Black was not the opposite, but the opposition to Superman. Uh, he was the anarchist. He was the guy that, again, he said that Superman is outdated. The whole thing, the biggest thing about this uh, book and this movie was uh, Superman was still trying to figure out, or still trying to follow the whole way of going about truth, justice, and the American way. And then here comes this guy from across the pond mm -hmm. and just throwing a wrench into the system. And I loved that. It was, he was this punk rock guy. By the way, the beginning of this film, it's the credits, it's like punk rock music playing, real cool sex pistols and whatnot, imagery, and oh, it's, it's fabulous. Um, so when Manchester Black was introduced, I immediately fell in love with him. And I chose this minute because this definitely depicts my image of what Superman needs to be going on into the future. I have a microphone in my hand, you guys are forced to listen to me. So Superman <laughs> is, in my opinion, he can he is teetering on that line of being outdated versus the best superhero that has ever existed in comic books because of you know what he represents. But that is slowly dying out because we're getting more realism in movies and people want to relate more, yada yada yada. You can't just have a guy in blue tights going around punching robots and monsters and you know, save the day. You have to have a conflict, you have to have an inner struggle between them. And yeah, this, this movie isn't about an inner struggle between two men, it's about the, you know, the well, how it represents the inner struggle. Exactly, what he does represent is inner struggle. But uh, my main point was that I, I really wanted to get people's opinions on whether or not Superman will be considered an outdated hero or not. Is he subject to change? Um, should he be subject to change? Or should we just keep on pumping out similar heroes that just have opposing ideals you know, about them? Well, it, it's interesting how this, I, I haven't seen this, uh, this movie before, but I've read the, the book. Who wrote the book, but it's Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly, I believe, did. Um, Joe Kelly created Manchester Black, and I think he started the JLA from that Because he's a, it, it's interesting how this seems like it's, on a meta level, it's, it's a critique of the way the comics have gone, uh, particularly this. So this Superman being this kind of, you know, uh, wholesome archetype, and then the income to this, like, British invasion of, let's call it, you know, 
Alamora through Grant Morrison, et cetera, uh, kind of coming in and just being like, you're not relevant anymore. Look, we're changing things to make more edgy and realistic. Uh, but at the same time, it's also kind of like if you look at like some of the best Superman stuff of the past couple of years, and that was Grant Morrison, who was one of the ones who changed it and kind of bringing it back to its roots and just telling the story of you can you can evolve Superman, you can you can have him be stand for the same things and just kind of but let him evolve naturally. You don't have to change the roots of the character, which I mean is is part of what part of the problem in comics at the time that the. the uh, British tradition, the, what would eventually become the Vertigo brand, those, those writers, you know, where the status quo was kind of stale, and, and they were trying to kind of change the, the root of the characters because they didn't know what else to do. So. But they had these, these characters kind of representing those ideals coming through, and then I'm, I'm hoping that by the end of the movie you get to see that Superman can evolve and become kind of modern and stay modern and relevant. I'm assuming Superman doesn't die. Well, we'll see. I love that they picked this minute because it, um, that was a when I when I was trying to come up with like, okay, what do we consider the best individual minutes of DC animation? And I, it was hard to to find something that was organic and didn't just come off. Because uh, if you say like, oh, there's a really good DC animated minute, but it's sent from a comic book and isn't the comic book really just the, the best part of it? Yeah. Um, but there are some DC animated films that are just better than the comic books that they're based on. The number one, I threw a couple polls out on social media for DC cinematic one. And the, the one that most people say that the DC animated film is better than the book it's based on is Under the Red Hood, which is Batman's story of uh, Jason Todd coming back from the dead as, as Red Hood. And Red Hood, and Manchester Black are almost the same character. And I love that we found a Superman minute that does the same thing so I didn't have to show another Batman clip. Um, because this guy is saying, hey, I will do what you don't have the stones to do, you know? And and I, I love But you might have the stones to do me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so yeah, like I, I, I love that because if, um, if you haven't seen Under the Red Hood, Please watch it because there's such an emotional uh, like climax for the end of that film with Jason Todd basically giving Batman the ultimatum to um, pull the trigger on Joker because it's like it makes no sense that that guy's still alive, right? There's like philosophy books written on, you know, why does Batman allow the Joker to live? Why doesn't he kill him? We'll be better off, yada yada yada. Um, yes, exactly. And then this guy's doing the same thing. It's like, hey. You're not gonna. Uh, who's a villain in this movie in the game? Parasite or something? No, Atomic Skull. That's the figure. Yeah, because Manchester Black uh, kills Atomic Skull in cold blood. And that was Superman's like, oh, hey, oh, ah, cool, cool. That's not how we play. Yeah, exactly. And and, and I love that he picked this minute because that I wanted to bring the under the red minute into this into this live show. But I, I as much as I love that, that is my all time favorite minute. But I, I wanted to find something else that would highlight a different superhero's um, values and virtues and whatnot. So I'm so glad you chose this one. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. And Matt, Manchester Black, I mean, yeah, I mean, come on. He's, he looks okay. cool. Little side note, this was like going around and watching this. This was the first time that I realized that the Union Jack on him gets a tattoo. Um, I'm pretty sure they talked about it in the book. Was it a t-shirt? No, I thought it was a tank top for the longest time. Um, but yes, tattoo, and he says that it's a tattoo, and I was just like, oh, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Side note, um, man, we 
we had, we like, Mark and I like, played this game called Hero Clicks. It's like a board game. Uh, yeah. So uh, Manchester Black was one of my first uh, Hero Clicks that I got from there. And it was, again, I had the book at the same time, got the Hero Clicks, it was great. He, we talk about toys now. We talk about toys. So he's uh, Alex. He's, he's your first self. He's a hero. Absolutely. He's just black and he's powerful. He's got that barrier. You can't can't go wrong. Um, but yeah, it was uh, he was continuously just he meets an unfortunate end. I would implore you to to either read the book or watch it or even Wikipedia. It's one of the best. Um, that bones. It is one of the best ways that Superman is able to beat this opposition. And it's so controversial in my opinion because what he does to him, should I say it? You want to say it? Say it. Okay, so Manchester Black is telekinetic and he uses mind or anything like that. Superman is able to um, focus his heat vision and lobotomize him. He pinpoints where his uh, anomaly is in his brain that's giving him his met human abilities. And he pretty much strips him and the entire team of the elites of their powers. And that was one thing that I am still to this day feeling like Superman <coughs> shouldn't be able to do that. That's that is the, the line that I'm drawing it. Okay, you're overpowered. You can't you yeah. can't do that. There's and a lot of the, the ending of the this movie is for a yeah. lot of people they say like that like Superman's a powerful moment because it's like you're not even killing someone, you're just like yeah, stripping them. And I almost picked that name, so <laughs> but this was definitely one that I, I, I was very curious as to see if um, I'm I'm Loving what uh, you know, DCE is doing now with Superman and whatnot, great uh, salt. But I'm curious as to see how this character is going to change, adapt, uh, just anything. What they're going to do with him in the coming years. I mean, just looking back, what five years ago, New Fifty Two. Um, yeah, whatever. How uh, So New Fifty Two had a Superman that was completely different than the post-crisis Superman. And that was the one thing that I realized, I like that, I want to follow that. I don't want Superman just being Superman. I don't want him flying up in the sun, getting powers and coming in, oh god, you're down. No, like, uh, give me something to think about. Don't spoon feed me, don't, you know, give me, okay, this is what Superman is now, this is how he's gonna be, yeah, yeah. No, give me something for me to grow with and pull apart with the character. Yeah, and what I like about this minute is that it's it's one of those moments where the like you said meta it's very meta world it's like hey can we please talk about our our current status with Superman as like as a writer like Batman we just talked about how he's gone through so many evolutions uh, you know as far as writing that character someone can be like I want to write Batman as like a noir detective well I want to write Batman as like a vampire that nobody can catch right and but Superman they're like Whoa, buddy, you want to write that kind of Superman story? Like, no, no, no. But why? Let let the evolution happen. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least we as a writer got to take the creativity like uh, chances, you know? So I, I, I think this is great because it really, for us as an audience, we need to start questioning that. Hey, maybe it's for superheroes to continue uh, evolving, maybe it's for the better for us walking out of the theater or when we close the book or whatever, like getting something new out of it, out of a character that we've loved for so long, keeping it that way. Um, so yeah, so kind of where I end on that note, do you have any uh, 
oh, they're breaking boundaries. So this episode, this next episode is not necessarily exactly like the last episode. They're, they're not afraid of these new things. We have to push these boundaries. And so this may start going off into more, I mean, some of the Batman animated episodes, you know, started to do that. And I feel like with, with as they evolved, they kind of, they knew they had the trust, so they kind of went that much further with stuff like this. Like this was originally completely a comedic episode. It worked in a little bit more kind of traditional yeah, action plot, yeah. but you know, I think it was originally supposed to be kind of like a bewitched episode, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the talent. Yeah, they turned uh, Wonder Woman into a pig, and she's like going to a meat factory. Yeah, we didn't even see that part. The Wonder Woman's a pig. For most of it. Cersei is a uh, Wonder Woman villain. So it's like a Wonder Woman episode, but Batman's got this huge part in it. I think this does push the boundary on Batman more than anything in the animation game. And uh, yeah, I, you know, at first, like, we all laugh at it. I mean, it's like very comedic at first, and Batman singing, but the. It's true, like it, it is like him opening up. And uh, lately I've been watching a lot of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, seeing this uh, reminded me about how Star Trek The Next Generation, when they want you to really get to know a character on the Enterprise, um, Kevin Conroy is a fantastic singer. Oh, just, you know, just him as a voice actor. So they were like, why don't you show your talent as a you know as an artist and at the same time develop the character and it's a win-win it's like a win-win for us and you see how talented Kevin Conroy is you get to learn not learn more about Batman just get to experience Batman's true woes his entire life right and the next generation um, you have people like Riker and uh, like Data you write and they like they do these acting moments of Shakespeare, uh, jazz music, and what they're doing is, it's the actor showing their talent, but at the same time, you fall in love with the characters, right? It's a super win-win, and I think this is just a fantastic minute that uh, it, it takes that, it's, hey, let's roll with that, let's yeah. do that, you know? So, it, it's just, it, you really get to learn so much about Batman through your music. Yeah, if, if this was a different character, it wouldn't work. I mean, not else. It works largely because it's Batman is so, you know, kind of yeah, compacted, so so hidden. Uh, Doesn't want to express this. Exactly, and and yet, look, here's how he he's willing to do that to to win here. That's that's his, you know, uh, I don't know. That's his, that's his strategy. That's his whole thing. It, it, it is. It seems right. It is, you know, <laughs> soul crushing or something like that, but. And he is blue. He's, he's had a tough life. And I think instantly he knew, like, that's that's what I gotta do to win this. I just gotta sing, sing about him. Right. It's just soul crushing that's inside of And I love that he's doing it as that, like, full costume on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the people there are just kind of like, oh, this guy. Oh, that's that. Did you even saw the animation when it was the back shot? Oh, oh yeah. When oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. The lighting on. Yeah. And that. It, it totally reminds so going back to the beginning of what we were deciding at the beginning, like that, those couple of moments in the opening Batman the animated series where you know there's the, the close up of his face and it's just his eyes move a little bit, and that's the whole that's frame. It. That's and so you get a lot from that. And here, like when it's he's backlit and there's just a camera moving essentially, and then you just hear the song as that's happening. It's minimal animation, but it's telling here, yeah, it's telling the the story effectively. It's like that. This shot right here seems like it has like the most money put into it. It's like, 
It almost looks like the, like they came up with this first and was like, okay, how do we create something around this? And someone was like, hey, I want to put Batman on stage and get this lighting on him. Look at that. Dramatic. It looks like a, like a, like a Disney classic film, like Bambi and something like this. Shots out of the lighting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it, it perfect. Even that shot right there perfectly uh, sets the tone and sets the mood. And, and uh, he's, he's Batman. So I, I get who you are now. Yeah, you, you can do more with it, but have him still be Batman. Yeah. yeah, And I think that's that's one of the tricks with animation is uh, the less is more kind of thing. It's, there's not a lot of things moving. Like we're not doing the road scoping thing. Like Superman's not doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But sometimes. It sells more to have little animation. You just have that, and then just seeing that shot, like you get it, and we're sold on it. And I think now, whether it is 3D model animation or still cartoons to this day, showing little movement, little animation sells more to us because it seems more, more lifelike, more real, more staring at a realistic person. Um, and yeah, I think I think this uh, perfectly encapsulates. I agree. <laughs> we're, we're, we're suckers for uh, animation and artistic value and whatnot. So seeing something like this is, you know, that's the bee's knees. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. That's all. That's all the four minutes that we had before we wrap up. Uh, I just wanna, if you guys wanna hear more about us, we're on DC Cinematic Minute. Um, uh, you can listen to us talk about the current DC films, and you'll hear some other stuff. We also talk about comic books from time to time. So we might drop an episode about that. Um, but we talked about Man of Steel, we talked about uh, everyone's favorite film, uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, and now we're recording for Suicide Squad, which might come out in the fall. Um, so you can follow us on all social media at DCU Minutes, or the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute, Listeners and Society, and uh, yeah, you can talk to us and all of our past guests and listeners. Speaking of Suicide Squad, um, you guys have to do a whole other one of these, I think, for Charlie Quinn, because she's, you know, Left from the animated universe yeah. into the real universe. So you could do a whole other just like here's four minutes. Oh, we'll plan that for the next one. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> our next live show is going to be uh, four minutes of Harlequin, four yeah. minutes of Deadpool, and I think uh, <laughs> and this whole year will be packed. Everyone is into this, right? That's it. So, uh, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much.